This is Suzanne Cosgrove reporting for John Lothian News. We are talking today about the hemp market with Julie Lerner, the founder and chief executive officer of Panic Change. Panic Change offers over-the-counter trading of physical hemp and other products and is the leading benchmark price provider for the U.S. hemp industry. Greetings. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks for having me today. In February, you talked with Tom Thompson of John Lothian News about your outlook for the hemp market in 2021. At the time, you talked about oversupply in the CBD market, with too many acres farmed for hemp given demand, and also about the prospects for growth in the fiber and grains markets. How does it look now, about halfway through the year, for the various segments of the hemp sector? Sure. So, so as we predicted um, in in our year-end report, um, the market wasn't going to tank the way it did in 2019, where biomass prices fell precipitously, 84%. But there, there was as the continual erosion as we try to work through the uh, the oversupply and demand doesn't increase much. So. From February till June, biomass prices slid 47%, mm. uh, and full-spectrum distillate is down 44%. So we knew that these semi, uh, now we're just talking about the cannabinoid market at this point, and we knew that the semi-refined products would continue to erode because the inventory was created more by the 2019 crop surplus than it was the 2020 surplus. So... Um, producers were forced to refine or semi-refine the hemp to preserve the quality. So, so now, as we had discussed back in February, you know, these kilograms of, of, of crude oil and, and distillate and isolate are just jammed in every corner across the supply chain. Um, they're now coming down to prices where these, um, uh, the processors are, are changing their, their business model um, with full spectrum distillate around $250 a kilo, uh, they're changing their business plan and, and um, doing some more uh, white labeling, for example, um, as opposed to outright selling because the margins just are not there. We're, we're now at cost. Um, those who had biomass from 2019 first cut off the field if it was not pristinely processed and dried, uh, mm-hmm. throw it away just not worth anything anymore. Um, And then bioplastics um, and construction materials, they seem to be taking the lead in uh, for hemp fiber usage, but still very, very early days at this stage. Um, Prices there have been fairly stable. So given that, what do you think the next six months will look like? How do you think we'll progress going through the year? So we will continue to work through the, on the cannabinoid side, work on the surplus. That's being helped tremendously by two things. One is exports predominantly to Europe. And the other is this uh, Delta-8 uh, variant that um, I suppose some of your listeners will, will um, have heard about in the news. It was covered by Rolling Stone and, and a couple of others. It's basically a synthetic THC. Um, where there is a psychotropic effect to it. Um, Very controversial, but um, our data shows that demand for that product, not surprisingly, is in the states where recreational marijuana is not legal. Um, You know, from a supply-demand perspective, we hope that that Delta-8 continues to sell 
uh, to work through that inventory. Um, next six months in, 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 uh, on the fiber and grain side, I hate to admit it, but we did lose some progress during COVID. I think buyers and sellers did not connect as successfully as they would have if, if it, we were in an open market with, with conferences and so forth. We're still in the R&D stage for a lot of these companies, um, particularly, you know, the next signal for me is when we get buyers who finesse the quality specs they need for those bioplastics or building materials and start buying at scale or making purchase orders at scale. Not quite there yet. So it's still gonna be a little bit slow for the rest of the year. Um, what I also hope that starts to happen in the next six months, and hopefully we can help this along, is that the hemp industry more actively pursues the getting carbon credits. It is a very environmentally friendly crop. Um, there seems to be so much confusion in the market now because people are thinking like, well, how do I, where do I go get a credit? As if you could, you know, go pick one up at Walmart. Um, <laughs> there is a very intensive process. A credit is earned, not given away. Uh, and we're, we're trying to help uh, as much as we can to get the market moving. I think carbon credits will become part of farm economics within the next two, two to three years. That'll be really interesting. In February, you also talked about the maturation of the market generally, including surety of supply and demand in cannabinoids versus fiber. So uh, you touched on this a little bit already, but where are we in the current cycle? I wish I could say we are much farther in this, you know, closer to wheat, corn, and soy uh, than we are today, but we're not, we haven't made a lot of progress. Um, and um, in that Hemp Industry Daily article, it, it actually started as just a rant that I was going to leave on my computer and not show anyone. Um, so in, in 2019, you know, we had the hubris of some very successful uh, bankers and real estate people who thought, well, how hard could hemp be and jumped into the market. And uh, fortunately, they're, they're, they've now exited. Um, and we have a lot more professionals, agribusiness professionals in the market, coming into the, into the market, the cream's rising to the top, but we still, excuse the pun, we've got to weed out the dreamers. Um, and, and this market is just rife with people who just love the plant and, and, um, and, and they're blinded by the potential and its benefits to humans and animals and climate. And, um, there's too much preaching and not enough action, if I may. And I hope that doesn't alienate any of our clients. Um, but, but we need to see more action. We need to see people focused on the business aspect of this um, and focused on, on uh, farm economics and, and um, supply chain, getting to economies of scale and so forth. That July opinion piece was pretty interesting. Um, you also mentioned... Uh, you urge industry participants to, quote, get real about the infancy of the industry and what has, hap what has to happen before any of these sectors can be described as robust. Is there anything else you'd like to say about that? Can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. So, so kind of an extension of what we were just talking about. Um, we need more agri-industry specialists. A lot of companies in this space are still 
gravitating towards hemp celebrities, if you will. And again, the people who are intimately knowledgeable about the plant and its benefits. We have plenty of those with respect. What we really need here are agronomists um, and experienced in industrial row crop farming. We need to get to economies of scale. Um, our, our head of hemp just published in, uh, an article in Feed and Grain magazine that says, look, doesn't really matter whether the FDA approves hemp as a feed ingredient or not, because we are so far away from being cost competitive with corn and soy as a feed grain. It's not going to happen in the near term. It's those kinds of conversations we need to have. We need to focus on costs, focus on market prices, knowing how to make this plant profitable for you as a business. It's got to be financially sustainable. Um, another thing I would suggest in, in this industry is to really focus on industry re reports and forecasts that are based on quantity and volume and distribution chains. Stop getting uh, you know, dreamy-eyed about these pie-in-the-sky dollar values that hemp market's going to $16 billion. Um, maybe, maybe not, but there's, you know, first of all, it's a commodity, so the price is going to move. Um, and second of all, do your math and find out, you know, again, as you know, we've, we've talked about this many times, in the cannabinoid side of this industry, a very little bit of hemp goes a very long way. And that's where people got hurt with being dreamers and not pragmatists. Right. Um, the last thing I would suggest is to um, look at how, look at deals, look at, look at uh, purchase and, and sales contract pro formas. Um, no mature market trades at a fixed price. It's all basis trading against a, uh, either an exchange traded derivative or a benchmark price. There's no need to take price risks and, and people in mature markets um, don't do that. You suggested in your piece that people emulate those mature markets and that's basically what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You also discourage industry participants from chasing trends and you talked a bit about that, but things like smokable flowers, CBG, uh, animal feed, Delta-8. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So, so what I mean by that is if you're not already in it, it's too late. Unless you, you know, these are, these are supply chain issues, right? Um, these are about getting shelf space um, and having a niche. Uh, um, a smokable flower is, is very subjective with regard to the buying. It's why it's price indication for pen exchange and not a full benchmark price. It never will be. Um, but, but, um, you know, stop chasing that new noon thing. You know, the, 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 the stakeholders in the supply chain need to figure out what they're good at, where their strengths lie, what's going to put them ahead of the competition. And if you're going to chase that next new thing like Delta 8, you know, first of all, you're probably late getting there. Second of all, you've got massive legal risks of it being shut down. Um, and and uh, it's just not viable. You need to to just get rational and again, focus on the numbers um, and the business side of it. What needs to happen to make uh, hemp sustainable? 
Um, we need to get to economies of scale. And, you, you know, you can't put that all on the farmer because we're, we're, we're at a real chicken and egg situation here with regard to bioplastics, building materials, textiles, paper, etc. So the farmers, you know, if I were a farmer, I wouldn't grow at scale unless I had a large purchase order, right? Um, and we don't yet have those purchase orders because we're still finessing the actual quality specs we need to make sure that the, the, the product behaves in the way that we want it to. Um, so then, but then that part's moving slowly because, well, I can't, you know, I can't get to scale because I don't have the production. Um, we're really at that inflection point right now and, it, and it's painful, um, but I, I do trust that we're gonna get through that Again, um, by focusing on the numbers um, and making you know shrewd business decisions. So, you know, if you're up in Alberta, Canada, you know, unless there's a processing facility a hundred miles with it, you know, away from you, you cannot be cost competitive. So it's it's making those rational decisions, right. uh, and um, just again, as I'd mentioned earlier, I do think that the price of carbon credits will rise so much in the next couple of years that that is what's gonna help this industry grow up fast. Um, it will help um, w w in this transition period, getting to economies of scale. Um, and it'll be when you figure out your cost of production and your selling price, it's gonna be discounted because you sold those credits. I have one more question here. Um about the recent introduction in the U.S. Senate of the Draft Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, um, do you think it will have any kind of impact on the broader hemp industry? Uh, there's some talk the hemp market will benefit from greater regulatory certainty if it goes forward, but I'm not sure about that. What do you think? For purposes of my own sanity, I don't, I don't get too involved in the politics of it, but I do know that this particular... Um, proposal amidst CBD as a food and beverage ad, uh, sub, uh, additive, sorry. It omits it as a food and beverage additive. It's just talking about hemp as a supplement. Um, uh, so it's partial acceptance of cannabinoids, but I guess you could argue it's a step in the right direction. Uh, but to be honest, Suzanne, what frustrates me is that with all of these different hemp associations and lobbying efforts that we have, um, one thing I haven't seen them do that I wish they would do is actually separate ourselves from cannabis legislation. Yes, it is theoretically the same plant, but legally they are diametrically opposed markets. Um, so we should not be in this bill, nor should we be in, be in the Safe Banking Act. Hemp is federally legal. Uh, and, and I think it's going to hurt the industry more than help it than to be tied into that Safe Banking Act. And an interesting perspective to note. Have I, have I missed anything here? Is there anything else you want to mention? For anyone working at a major trade house, um, please come into the hemp market. <laughs> um, they serve a huge, huge role with regard to bringing liquidity, patient capital, taking um, transaction risks. Um, and, and um, counterparty risks and transportation risks. Um, they would be a very welcome addition to this market. There is money to be made here. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Always a pleasure. Signing off for now. 
This is Suzanne Cosgrove reporting for John Lothian News.